0: And we're live. Welcome back to the Digital Creators Podcast. Today we're in the studio with Ty Turner. What's up, Ty?
1: What's up? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you?
0: Good. So Ty Turner is the director and designer at Medical Studios, a Perth based contemporary street and fashion label, which formed in 2019. Ty got into fashion in 2016 when he became a DJ. He's self taught um, when it comes to fashion design mostly learning from YouTube and trial and error. Ty played his first DJ gig at the club just two weeks after he started. And this month, it's actually his seventh year of DJing. He's played multiple festivals such as Groove in the Moo, Origin Fields, and recently the Post Malone After Party. And in this episode, we're going to talk about how Ty got into fashion design and DJing. We'll go in depth into the design process behind his um, clothing brand Medical, his trip to Paris for Fashion Week, social media marketing, his calls for the future and more. So, yeah, let's get into it. Um, so, yeah, I guess take us back. I think it's this one. <laughs> <laughs> so good. Take us back. Um, firstly, you got into DJing first, didn't you? Like before yeah. fashion. Sorry, I Oh, yeah. That's um.
1: Yeah, so I got into DJing when I was 18 uh, out of high school and before I'd started DJing I had no kind of creative uh, endeavours, I guess you could say. Um, I did chemistry and physics in school, maths uh, and I actually thought that I was going to be an engineer. Um, I went to uni originally to study software engineering, so... That was where I was at and then I had some friends that dj and I just went to a party with them one night when I was eighteen, saw them DJing, wanted to get involved, and they basically said to me, If you're if you're good, we're not gonna say no, you know, if you wanna come play with us.
0: So you were originally gonna do software engineering at uni? Yes,
1: yeah, so was, was
0: that like a passion of yours or
1: Yeah, so I've always been very interested in technology and stuff like that, um we, that's we'll touch on it later, but that's yeah I can kind see how that ties into ties into really, medical yeah. you know yeah um so yeah, I've always loved um technology, and i yeah, I really thought that I was gonna be uh, that guy you know coding on the computer and shit all day yeah uh but yeah, it just I ended up learning how to d j one of the guys uh Brody, gave me his controller. Um, Gave me a quick lesson And then I was off on my own For a week Spent every single day learning how to mix Basically teaching myself I don't know, the resources just They weren't that good um, In terms of YouTube and stuff And I ended up just reaching out to people and saying Hey, I just learned how to DJ this week Can I DJ your party? Um, And they're like, yeah So I went back to my friend that uh, Was DJing at this other party And I said to him You know, I just just started DJing. I've already got a few gigs lined up and he was like, well, we're doing our first nightclub event next week. Do you want to open it uh, so yeah, I played my first ever nightclub gig two weeks after I'd just learned. That's insane 2016 and since then been playing in clubs ever since so yeah
0: that's got to be like a record of like the fastest like DJ to start DJing and then go straight into the clubs.
1: Which club was it? Yeah okay so I'm I'm from Mandra originally. Uh, so it was, back then it was called Toucan, the event was called Ugly, uh, and yeah, that was my first ever gig. I'd never used CDJs before, which is what, like, the, it's the club standard gear, so I actually had to ask the DJ before me how to select a song. (laughs) Wow.
0: didn't even know? Yeah, it's crazy. Did it go okay?
1: Yeah, well, it must have been alright, because they got me back for the next one and the next one, and then, you know what I mean? I just started playing that's a good sign so crazy man um yeah and you know at that moment um going to the party seeing those guys um playing that gig that really changed the trajectory of my whole life in terms of you know wanting to be a software engineer wanting to go to uni um wanting to be very like science uh focused into becoming very creative focused so yeah
0: I like, well, I can, I'm sure we'll go into detail with it, but yeah, I can see how you're kind of tying all these experiences into like together for like your your branding and personal brand and all that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and then you mentioned that you got into fashion sort of, it was kind of a byproduct of becoming a DJ because people were seeing you more, and that sort of thing.
1: Yeah, for sure. So before, I'd probably say in high school and even up until I started DJing, my mum was still buying a lot of my clothes. I had, you know, it's crazy to say this, but, you know, I had very little interest in fashion Um, growing up. It's crazy to see kids these days, you know, and they go into high school wearing Gucci belts and dunks and all that stuff, you know, like that wasn't me or anyone in my school. And, yeah, my mom would, you know, she'd go to David Jones and she'd just buy five t-shirts or whatever and she'd just give them to me and they'd be size small and medium or whatever and i'd just put them on and you know i didn't really care what i was wearing and then when i started djing and i guess you know music and fashion are very related it's very obvious um so i just started getting more into it um originally i was getting into surfwear because that's kind of big in mandra so
0: pyramids beach boy exactly (laughs) oh he knows he knows um
1: yeah, we were going up to um, places like Common Ground in Frio. I don't know if you've been yeah. there before. And, you know, that was like the place to to buy clothes for us. Um, and, yeah, I started there. Then I started to get more into streetwear, Um And then over the years I just kind of realized that I was finding less and less stuff that I really liked in terms of the fit and the designs and the graphics. And I think everyone kind of goes through that phase, you know, not finding clothes and you're like, I just want to start my own brand. And it's so accessible these days. You know, everyone has their own brand. Yeah. But yeah, I just, um, that was probably the so first. So you just you
0: started to pay more attention to what you are wearing. Yeah. During that time. And For then.
1: sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I became very self-aware of, you know, how I was dressing and stuff like that. Uh, and yeah, eventually just, yeah, ended up starting my own brand. And now we're here.
0: Cool. And uh, how did you go about like making your first pieces? Did you kind of just like sew them yourself or how did you design them or what were they made out of?
1: Yeah, so so the very first piece that I ever made that I branded medical, um, I wore it to Touch Base in 2019, I think. Yeah, I think it was Touchbase Base 2019. And so I the brand's
0: like still quite young
1: it is look the brand this will be the coming up to the fourth birthday this year so it it's a long time it's also not a long time you know in terms of businesses the fact that i'm still doing it and that i think because my
0: brain just like skips the covid era so uh, it just feels like covid (laughs) fucked everything (laughs) um
1: but, um, yeah, so the first piece I ever made, I wore it to a festival and my brother had a bunch of uh, screen printing equipment because he's actually got his own brand uh, called Turnaboco. Shout out Jules oh, and yeah. Marshall. Uh, and they started their brand before me. Oh, really? Wow. Um, and so my brother had all this screen printing equipment and I asked him if he could screen print a shirt for me. Um, I had a shirt that I got from the op shop. It was 6XL, so it was way too big. So I turned it inside out um, I have like basic sewing knowledge, so I rehemmed the bottom so that it would like actually fit, like be the right length. And then yeah, just screen printed on the front and the back. Um, the The back print actually said, uh, "Social media seriously harms your mental health," which I ended up turning into a sticker. It was just something that I saw on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Um, but yeah, that was the first piece that I ever made.
0: So is Jules your brother? Is he older than you? Or are you the same age? Are you, t- are you guys twins? I don't we're know. Twins, twins,
1: which age? is, um, I feel like not many people know that. Everyone thinks that he's my younger brother. I think he looks, he does look, I uh, maybe he has a baby face. I can face. see the
0: twins now. I just, I didn't even know you guys were brothers until a bit later. Yeah. Um. But was he into fashion? I mean, maybe a controversial question. Was he into fashion before you? And then you kind of got inspired or was he more into like?
1: I'd say that our fashion journeys were very similar in terms of We both didn't really – we weren't really into fashion that much. And then, uh, you know, as we got older, I guess, kind of explored it more. His brand originally – I'm sure if you got him on here, you know, he'd have stories to tell you. Uh, His brand originally that he started with Marshall was like surfwear focused. So one of the reasons that I actually started my brand, I had a lot of uh, event uh, production experience running nightclub events – With the guys that I started DJing with. So we were running events down in Mandra for a few years. And I'd basically sit in on meetings with Jules and his partner. And using my branding and marketing experience from running events, I was giving them like a few tips, you know, like, oh, you know, you should do this instead. You know, why why are you going to do this? You know, just a few things like that. And it made me realize, you know, oh, I know a tiny little bit more than these guys. You know, I want to start my own brand. Why don't I, why don't I, you know, use that experience that I have because, you know, marketing and branding and stuff, it's quite transferable between things. Yeah, for sure. Things.
0: Yeah. Um, And then I guess what was like the first time you actually made like a, like a piece of clothing, like put it sort of all together.
1: Um, yeah, so 2019 was when I did my first collection, um, that I actually had produced with a, with a factory. Yeah. Um,
0: that was like you, you, so your first collection, you actually made the order. Cause I know you have to You design the patterns and
1: stuff, right? Yeah. So, excuse me, uh, that collection, I did the designs myself. I created the tech packs. I did all the measurements. It was all custom cut and sewn. Um, and, yeah, sent it off, got it made. This one was made in the – my first stuff was made in the Ukraine. It's a little bit random. Uh, and it wasn't perfect, but it was my first stuff, so that's fine.
0: Um, I just had a thought that I was going to say earlier, um, like a little prediction maybe because you were mentioning um, like Jules and Marshall were going to do like more surfwear brand. I think yeah. surfwear might be coming – back it my really like, i just because i feel like when when i was in primary school whatever people were wearing like billabong rip curl, oh yeah for sure for sure volcom and i feel like you know with fashion it always comes back around i feel like maybe surfwear like that billabong rib curl like might come back who knows anyway yeah true like the board <laughs> shorts and the yeah. rashies and stuff yeah, yeah okay little prediction there but (laughs) we remember this Um, so yeah you yeah you made like the tech pack and then did did you you obviously like you mentioned you learned from youtube so you like did research like learn how to make like the patterns and stuff all from youtube and then sort of sent it off
1: yeah so i'm completely self-taught um design wise in terms of fashion and just yeah. Illustrator, Photoshop, InDesign, uh, sewing, all that kind of stuff. I've taught myself just because I always like to be hands on and, you know, be the person to actually make it. I feel like if you trust someone else to do something, they can't get inside your head and see exactly what you mean. I don't know if you've ever, you know, got a logo done by a designer and you explain yeah. it and then it turns out nothing like what you expect. It's just like
0: almost it's less effort just like creating it yourself because you know what you want and then maybe I don't know if, did you kind of try to get other people to design like if you like got graphic designer to make a logo and that was never really what you wanted and then you learned or you just jumped straight into
1: uh yeah in terms of logos the very first logo that I ever had was actually made by a designer but I didn't really I didn't really love it but I also didn't really know what I wanted so you know if if you're not very clear on your vision, then you're not going to get a clear result anyway. Um, so I you think just started
0: uh, like learning the different Adobe platforms and then started creating it for yourself?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, it's. I think it's one of the craziest feelings, you know, to be so hands-on in, in terms of a product and create it from start to finish, you know, know that you designed... All the measurements, you know, you chose the fabrics, you chose the exact fit, you did the campaign, you d- you know, it's a crazy feeling, and then for someone to actually buy that product, it's yeah, I can't even describe that, it's it's nuts.
0: Yeah, well, I guess I'm I'm gonna find out about all that because uh, I'm you're yeah, having exhibition next month, so it'll be like I've never really tried to sell my own product, but yeah, like my photography work will past like two or three years putting it in a book and then selling like that it was i'm sure maybe you felt the same it was quite like almost nerve-wracking like creating like putting work into something that like and then i don't know seeing if people are gonna love it or not 100
1: 100
0: yeah i'll find out as well
1: yeah it's you know you put so much passion into a product or w- whatever it is you know and it's it's hard to know if people are going to appreciate that you know I think, especially
0: as a creative, like a lot of creatives feel that way. Like putting your work out there, I guess it's one thing putting your work out that that like um, a lot of creatives feel that way. Like they're kind of nervous to put their work out there and sells out there as a creative because you'd be like judged on what you make, but then it's another thing to like also sell it as well.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, I think this is under underappreciated as well. You know, is that what's like minimum wage you know like 20 20 dollars or something like yeah. that you know if if you're selling a t-shirt for like 80 dollars, that's essentially four hours of someone's work just for one t-shirt mm. you know yeah so if you it still blows my mind when people you know buy my stuff and it you know you, all i can think is like damn this person spent their hard-earned money on something that i made like that's crazy yeah
0: it's crazy i stuff. think it's one of the most fulfilling things have as a creative for, for someone sure. to appreciate and like when they buy it actually shows like they really truly appreciate because they're yeah. spending yeah that part of money on like a product that you made and yeah whether they're gonna wear it around the streets or like put it up in the house it's um yeah it's an amazing feeling it's one of the best feelings as a creative i think
1: yeah. yeah no absolutely
0: um and then i guess did you start seeing people wearing your stuff maybe around the city here and there or
1: yeah um you know, I think every clothing brand experiences this. You know, when you, your very first collection that you make, it pops off, you know, because you've just started it. You usually, you know, you'll sell out everything and it's sick. The second collection that you make, it's, it usually underperforms because all your friends have bought uh, the first okay. collection. It was the hype. Yeah. Exactly. You know the what I mean? I got it, yeah. And then you, you kind of have a moment where you realize, like, okay, if I'm going to, you know, if I, if I want this to be a legit business, it's got to be more than just my friends supporting it, you know, just for yeah. the sake of, um, you know, they're friends with me.
0: It's interesting. Cause I think even I can have this perspective as a photographer, like when you're, when you're shooting, uh, when you're just starting photography, you're shooting stuff that you like, that you enjoy. Oh yeah, this is cool. This is cool. It's cool. But then if you, um, you know, maybe your end goal is to have like a product or an exhibition, kind of has to be received well by other people it can't just be like yourself that's kind of projected in this work you've got to be like okay how can other people relate to this are other people gonna enjoy this product so it's probably the same with clothing as well just you know i think it's got to be maybe half your kind of view and your take but then also like half you're thinking about the consumer as well
1: yeah it's you know it comes down to what you want your brand to be you know if your brand is a passion project that you're just making stuff because you love it then you know it doesn't matter if people don't buy it you know or if it's not well received by the public you know because you make something you really love but if you want to make a brand a business you know then yeah like a career exactly then you have to consider what people want as well as what you want and then you have to compromise between them because at the end of the day if you're not selling products and you're not turning a profit actually happens and something that I was experience something that I was experiencing, you know, is I was making products that I really liked and then they might they'd still sell but they wouldn't sell as much as mm. you know you'd expect I was expecting and that creates an issue in cash flow which means it makes it a bit harder to buy the next collection, you know. Yeah. And then it also makes you refrain from creating stuff that you like because you're like, fuck, what if no one buys this? Yeah. Um, so I've actually reached kind of like a, a medium recently, which has helped a lot. And actually I released these t-shirts, actually the one that I'm wearing now. Um, it just has medical, really simple on like the colors, like collarbones. And this is essentially just like a entry level product, you know, to, be a part of the brand, support the brand um, at the lowest cost. And releasing this product actually has enabled me to have like incredible cash flow. Um, yep. Because, you know, people, they can fuck with this shirt, you know, and they could buy it. And uh, it actually comes in a two pack. So you get a black one and a white one together. And then creating this allows me to, you know, take the pressure off and create the pieces that I actually really want to make and then they can kind of like coexist, yeah. you know? Cuz no, I'm not relying cool. on the other products for cash flow. And what I realize is that this is actually what almost every brand does. I sort like I've had to learn the hard way how to run a clothing business. <laughs> this is
0: this is yeah, it's actually what every creative brand or even creative personal brand does. This is the smoke and mirrors like even for myself as a photographer, my personal brand is like currently it's kind of like my night photography which is like i'm going out i'm taking like cool pictures of cars or like alternative models with like red lighting da, 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 da. but i'm not actually that's not yeah i barely make much money off of that like some artists yeah they book me for that want that style but primarily my bread and butter is like corporate shoots um or like could be products that someone's selling or like just not uh, just like yeah just corporate stuff that makes money no 100%, it's, it's 100%. not it's not my passion i mean i enjoy doing it um like sometimes it's like fashion shoots but it's more like corporate cool, fashion suits but yeah people probably th- think that i make money through like that night photography more creative stuff but it's yeah it's it's kind of it relates to your brand in a way i mean like you found a happy medium because you're selling like these black and white shirts and you've got your branding on there and your personal design but it's kind of it's a good like staple piece to like for exactly. people to um, purchase but then I guess you can also ha- also have your more creative side and I, that's it's also um, the idea behind digital creators is actually like digital is more like business side creators is more creative side so you've got to have the business what makes money and then creative is like more creative control so hundred percent. every creative business that, as you were saying
1: yeah, for sure. You know, even even in music, you know, I've got friends that are musicians and, you know, you make fuck all money from Spotify streams and whatever, you know. Some of them have, um, I think they're called sync deals. It's where you uh, make a song or sell a song to a business, you know, for an ad or for Netflix or whatever like that. And that's actually how you make big bucks, you know. You don't make money, as much money selling your own music as you do selling a song to a car company or something like that. So it's crazy. For
0: sure. Even there's some DJs that I know of that like, yeah, they're not making too much with Spotify, but um, when I was making more vlogs, there's platforms that sell commercial free music. Yeah, exactly. They create music to sell on those platforms. And you can actually make bank, I think, as a music producer, selling your work to these – he like uh, sells sites like Artlist of, and Soundstripe yeah, and all yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And then they download. You probably, I don't know how much you make per download, but, yeah, that's the... It looks like they're just, like, making all this money off, like, maybe playing gigs or whatever, but... Or, like, on Spot, uh, Spotify, but really they're making yeah money off just selling their work. They're, like, com- to commercial free sites, yeah.
1: It's tough out here, man.
0: Or even <laughs> even, like, another example is, like, being a DJ probably... You can relate, um, or no other DJs that their brand is more like hype festivals, whatever that's what they're having the Instagram feed, but in reality, they're probably DJing at weddings or like stuff like that to make money.
1: It's funny that you touched on that because that's exactly me. You know, my, my personal brand is definitely, you know, a festival club DJ, very, if you've ever seen me play, you know, I'm very high energy, yeah. um, very intimate crowd engagement. Um. But yeah, you know, this last year I got into DJing weddings. Not something that I ever thought I'd get into. And I I did it because the money was really good. Yeah. You know? It's they're relatively easy. It's not the most fun gig they're still fun. It's obviously not as fun as a festival. Yeah, it's like but
0: I, I enjoy wedding photography as well. Um, but,
1: but yeah, like the money is it's ludicrous. It's it's crazy. So
0: Yeah, and I think it's just a part of the journey like and it's a smart way to go about things like how can you do something you love? Um, I mean, we're still doing something we love and it's making money. It's not hundred percent like the creative, the full creative control that we want, but it's like helping us on our journey to, I guess the end, the end goal is to like be a hundred percent in in control of like your creativity and making money off that as well.
1: For sure. Um, I'd, I got into weddings yeah, probably last year and I'm actually pulling back out of them at the moment. Um, I'm just finishing off a few more uh, in the next few months. But, yeah, I'm just – I'm stripping back everything and just going full into the brand in terms of, like, medical. Um, Okay, cool. Because even though weddings are – you know, it's good money, it's – you know, it takes a lot of time uh, and energy away from – the other parts of my life, you know, like, doing the brand, especially doing the brand by myself and doing the marketing, the designing, yeah. all that, um, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, I think it's, if you're ready, just, like, go all in because you'll be surprised at, like, how well you can do when your entire focus yeah, is on that. For sure. Um, and then kind of going back into the DJing a bit, um... You mentioned some like festivals that you played, Groove in the Moo, Origin Field. So did you get these gigs from just networking or and getting your brand out there or what kind of helped you if there's other people into music listening?
1: Yeah, so the first festival that I ever played was Groove in the Moo um, in 2018, I think. Uh, And that was uh, Nick, who's the guy, that I was originally running, uh, I was DJing with in Mandra. He was actually like managing me and Brody as a duo called Hanzo. We were actually producing uh, like electronic music.
0: Are you actually made like your own music? Yeah, so
1: um, we were we were making kind of like. It's, I want to don't want to compare it to Flume, you know, but it was that kind of like Triple J electronic experimental. Kind of like trap sounds just before trap kind of like yep. died. Uh, and we actually got out, yeah, we played at Groove in the Moo uh, on the Moo Town stage, which was awesome. Um, and then I think the next year I played at Origin Fields. Uh, I actually won a DJ competition. Oh, yeah. So cool. it's funny because I'd never entered a DJ competition before. And then they had one, and I just thought, sure, let's just just see how it goes. And it was like one where you make a mix and then you get votes. So I made a mix, got through, um, had all my friends and stuff vote for me. Uh, I ended up getting on and uh, my best friend at the time, Jane, Jane the Virgin, she's been going off at the moment playing heaps of uh, drum and bass gigs. I actually taught her how to DJ um, way back. And so me and her actually both won this competition together and we both got to play at um origin which was crazy um and then yeah the next year they invited me back to origin just um without winning a competition which was like a crazy feeling
0: they kind of knew who you were at that point
1: yeah so that was awesome um and then yeah i played a few other festivals like seasons pineapple club
0: uh and and you also you've also been playing like a lot of clubs obviously yeah so like where have you mostly been playing
1: uh the clubs that I play the most at would be Butterfly, uh Butterfly seventy three, Club Humble, uh Dime at Barbez. I've been playing there a lot. Um I play at Magnet House every now and then.
0: He's all over. He's on, y- yeah. Yeah, you know what? <laughs> it's
1: yeah, being a DJ is weird. You're kind of you're kind of spread out between all these different venues.
0: For sure. Um Yeah, kinda Want to jump into the website? Because like, did you design and build this website yourself, or
1: my personal website?
0: The, the medical, the
1: medical. Oh, work? the medical website. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So I, it's uh, it's from a template. Yep. But then I basically built on the template myself.
0: And um, what platform are you running it on?
1: Shopify. Or Shopify. Don't. If you're thinking of starting a brand, don't waste your time. Don't waste. Your money go just use Shopify. I started not on Shopify. I was actually using uh, WordPress and WooCommerce, which is it's basically free when you get hosting for a website. So instead of paying fifty bucks a month, I was paying five dollars a year for a website, which I thought was awesome, <laughs> but it was it was incomparable. Yeah. Shopify is expensive just because it puts everything in the right places and it's so easy to use. So
0: yeah, I definitely recommend Shopify, especially for like an e-com brand as well. Um, I used, uh, I used Squarespace for my photography site just cause I've I couldn't figure out how to display my photos well on Shopify just cause I think it's so e-commerce. Yeah. Based. It's
1: definitely more e-commerce than uh, portfolio or web traditional website based.
0: Yeah. So I'm like uh, having, because I wanted to show my photos as well in like a gallery, and I don't think Shopify had that. I might try it out again, but yeah. So I just went Squarespace, which I think it's a happy medium before like a, for like a portfolio site and a product site, but definitely for just pure products. Shopify is just like easy; it integrates with everything.
1: Yeah, um, I've recently been using Squarespace to build my own personal brand website. So that's oh yeah. Is dot that com.
0: DJing or designing or
1: it's for it's for all of it. So I just wanted to basically have a a resource which or like a like a portfolio that shows my DJing it shows medical and it shows other kind of work that I've done. You know, I've done yeah. I've been blessed to model for, you know, some like big brands like Puma oh, um, really? Nike. Uh, I did some merch production for NBL and Sneakerland. Wow. Um I just, like, a few random things like that, you know, so I just kind of wanted to put that somewhere for people to see, you know, and if if I'm able to work with more artists through that. It's one of those things, you know, like, people don't know what you've done unless you tell them. So I just wanted to create a resource where if someone wanted to look up, you know, what I've done or how I can help them or how we can work together, you know, you can see it all online.
0: And, yeah, maybe some point, just like how you have those, you know, those big names like Louis Vuitton as a designer. Like maybe you even have your own line of like tight turner. Could be. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that could be pretty cool. Um, also, yeah, modding for Puma and Nike, that's pretty big. How did that happen?
1: Uh, so the Puma gig, I was working with uh, Taku. Yeah. Uh, so Taku is actually Perth-based. Perth And he runs an agency called Pretty Soon. Um, So Jess um, Farahinga, she reached out to me and was like, hey, they like your look. Would you be interested in modelling for this campaign? And I was like, for sure. So uh, we shot a campaign for these shoes called The Wild Riders. um, And that went really well. Um, I'm sure we can put up the photos if you want to do that afterwards. Yeah, do
0: you know what I should
1: search? I don't know where you can find them online, but I'll be able to um, I'll plug it so okay. you can um, yeah. Uh, and then we actually did another campaign, a few months later, and that was for Amazon. So it was, for the Amazon Puma store, uh, like on the Amazon website. Oh, okay. And that was just modeling like general products,
0: like an e-commerce.
1: Yeah. Okay. Um so it was pretty cool to be involved in that. Did
0: you see where your photos went live? Like where did where did they go live?
1: No. So this is the thing, right? Like we shot this content, but the way like big brands work is that they get a lot of content done and sometimes it doesn't get posted. Sometimes it does. Um so I haven't even I wasn't able to find any of the photos that we did online which is like it's a bit weird, like you know. I still got yeah, paid from it. Yeah. The guy still got paid from it, whether they didn't get ba- it back in time or whatever. Um, True, but yeah, I was on this campaign. Maybe it's on you like know,
0: a billboard in like Exa- China. Well, that's or the thing. Don't you don't
1: know. just you don't know like where the photos went. You know, sometimes it doesn't go on the Instagram. Sometimes it goes somewhere else. You know, it could, it could have been like a sponsored ad. You know, that's timed out or something.
0: And. Uh was that like the same sort of oh you said Nike was for the Amazon and then Puma was for No, like so like? that was
1: all Puma stuff. Um the Nike stuff was uh JD Sports actually reached out to me to shoot content for them for uh the World Cup. So that okay, was cool. uh, was that October, November, I think. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not a, was I'm wild. not a football guy. Not football. <laughs> well.
0: That that um grand final match. That was wild though. The final, the World Cup final. Did you watch it, bro? I do
1: I'm sorry to, all, bruh, <laughs> <laughs> sorry to all my my football fans, but I just I can't get around it. Damn, that, I'm a basketball okay. fan. Okay,
0: I'm not. I don't even watch that much soccer I played as a kid, but that was like the best final I've ever seen of any sport. Anyway, okay, I'll okay. just give okay. it one
1: more, bruh. Bruh.
0: Anyway, <laughs> um, so yeah, Nike.
1: Uh yeah, so they reached out to me to do a campaign and they basically wanted me to um shoot a campaign with a photographer. So it was essentially this similar thing to what I did with Puma. Yeah. Um and yeah, take photos for them, send them so to is them. So it was uh
0: Nike through JD Sport. You're wearing Nike through JD Sport or Yeah.
1: So okay. Nike through JD Sport um for the World Cup campaign so it was like all Nike branded stuff. Did you
0: see where those photos went?
1: No, so Damn. yeah it's <laughs> What's going you on? Know, but you know what it's a very common thing like a okay. lot of my friends that have done stuff um yeah with big brands they get you know their marketing budgets are ridiculous yeah, you so know they, they, they just have, have thousands these, and yeah. thousands if if a campaign that costs them a few thousand you know like they don't get the photos back like in 20, time 20
0: 30k's like whatever just <laughs> yeah and you know
1: what it's like it's ridiculous because these photos I charge them a, a what I thought was a lot. Yeah. But to them, it's not a lot. Yeah. You know, you can, this is for anyone that's Up working your with big brands. Creative. Yeah. Up your prices. Corporate brands have a lot of money to spend.
0: Yeah. Something I've done recently is just like set my prices more than what I've ever had them and just like keep it that way. I think it's just a place that you naturally get to is like, Cause you know when you're first starting photography, you're working for cheap. You're running here, running here, like because you're like, oh, I'm, the more the harder I work, the more money I get. But then you kind of realize that you want to work smarter, not harder. So you have like a higher price because like you you know you've worked hard in your skills. You you're kind of there. So you, it was just a feeling that okay, I'm going to set my price here. So then I'm working sort of less or less running around, but then like you have a higher price. So. Is that something similar you've done with like your DJ
1: stuff or? Yeah, um, DJing's a bit DJing's a bit weird when it comes to gigs and I'd say like fees. It differs drastically depending on the type of gig. Um, if you're booked as a just like a a dj or if you're booked as an artist you know like as yourself there's like different factors for example a gig like a gig like seasons let's say right or like you know a festival which has local artists they're not inclined to pay you an exorbitant amount because everyone wants that gig right
0: gotcha it's a competitive
1: thing yeah, and okay. they're not booking. Even though you know I'm gonna put my name on it or whatever, they're not necessarily booking me as Ty Turner. They're just booking me as a DJ on the hip hop stage. Yeah. Um, saying that they do pay their DJs well. Don't get me wrong. Um, but
0: it's n- people might think, oh, the bigger the show, the more money you can charge. But it's kind of like who's who's bringing the value here?
1: Exactly. Um, if you get booked as, and this is why everyone always pushes to be a producer instead of a DJ, you know, that's kind of the next natural step because if you're a producer and you can get booked under your name, um, you can charge more, you know, because people are booking you for your specific sound Um, for a DJ, like a local DJ, the average um, hourly rate is like 80 to a hundred an hour. And it's very hard to break out of that bracket Because there's a lot
0: of uh, DJs.
1: There's a lot of DJs. And if you don't want to do it, they'll just find someone else that wants to do it for that price. You know, you have, you don't have as much leverage.
0: I think it's because one, you're just playing other people's music in a club. It's not like you're creating the music and playing your own stuff. I think that's probably where the money is. I think it's a very difficult market. I presume to get into like being a DJ that produces Mm -hmm. your own music and then you've got to be big enough to, be booked for a club to play your own music, then there's less people like that. But for someone who just plays, you know, club music, that's probably like, that's what a lot of DJs do. So yeah. um,
1: And yeah, you've really got to be able to differentiate yourself from uh, the other DJs. You know, it's very competitive. Everyone's doing it. I think it's a skill that honestly everyone should have because there's nothing better than having a party with all your friends, you know, and you're all, Mixing back to back and stuff like that. That's amazing. But in terms of being an actual DJ, like at a club, you've got to do something different from everyone else. You know, you've got to really stand out. Um, I've Something that I've always done that's like true to my brand is, like I said, my uh, stage presence and stage energy and crowd engagement is some of the best probably in Perth. You know, I may not be the actual best DJ, but... I really do make an effort to engage with the crowd and get everyone involved. And, you know, that's why people book me because they know that I'm going to bring the vibe no matter where it is.
0: That could be like a point, like a point that sells you different to somebody else, like how you interact with the crowd for sure. Yeah, because obviously there's skills with DJing, like, you know, getting the crowd engaged or like, uh, is not so much the music that you're playing as well, but I guess like mixing comes into it and reading the crowd and yeah,
1: yeah, it's you know anyone can anyone can DJ man, it's just counting the four over and over again. You know I've taught so many people how to DJ, whether it through you know friends or um, I actually ran a GTM workshop um, a few years ago. Um, uh, I was teaching at your Shot, Um, last year when they came to Perth. Um, You know, I've taught so many people, it's not a hard skill to learn. Um, So you've got to, yeah, you've got to do something different.
0: If you are, how are you tying in DJing with your fashion brand? Like, or like your direction as a personal brand?
1: I think naturally music and fashion are very intertwined. You know, if you think of the, think of like the biggest musicians in pop culture, you know, um, they're all known as fashion icons as well. And it's not just hip hop, you know? Think of like Harry Styles and...
0: Yeah, literally you know, everybody. Ev- every- everyone. Everyone has their own... <laughs>
1: right? Yeah. Everyone wears clothes. Um, And, you know, the fashion that we're into, that's not the only fashion that exists. You know, there's... Anything that you wear can technically be called fashion. Um, But, yeah, so... I've... I've played a lot of different genres over kind of like my DJ career, and
0: what kind of genres have you gone into, and what are you sort of playing now?
1: Yeah, so I started as a trap DJ, so that was two thousand sixteen. That's Bauer, Boombox Cartel, uh, What's or Not, Slumberjack, uh, all those kinds of kinds of guys, and I was playing a lot of that. Then I went into dubstep, uh, and I was playing. I think the biggest show I played, I supported Bad Clat and Ominous. Uh, I played a sold-out villa, which is like a 1,000, just over a 1,000 people. That was crazy. Um, played big party sets. Played it like seasons on like the party stage or whatever. Um, and then most recently I played Bassline, which is like real UK sound, but it's still quite like heavy. It's like quite yeah, high energy. Yeah that's becoming quite popular yeah that's definitely become really popular uh and then now i've settled on being mainly a hip-hop focused dj um i've always you know i grew up listening to hip-hop it's always been my main i'd say my favorite genre of music you know if i'm like driving in the car you know i'm going to be listening to that's like go
0: to yeah.
1: yeah i was listening to like old school r&b you know driving in the car that's i think that's my roots and i think that's the most closely tied to streetwear which is what i'm into and that's i just kind of sure. realized that's how i want to um combine it i guess
0: yeah um i want to yeah jump into to the website and just check out um what you got on there and maybe talk about the designs behind some of the pieces yeah, for sure cool So, we have got, yeah, obviously, like, the black and white tees here. Yeah. So, this is, like, um, oh, you buy this one order and you get two in one pack sort yeah. of thing. Um, yeah, I guess we can talk about this style of shirt because, you know, it's the one you're wearing at the moment. So, what kind of, what process did you go with, like, choosing this design and this style?
1: So, all of my products are cut and sewn, meaning that they're custom. Um, the fabric, the fit, um, the stitching, the, the labels, everything is designed or curated by me. Um, and that's just because even though it's a t-shirt and it's like the most basic garment, you still want it to fit a certain way. Um, one of my brand values for medical is that the products are exclusive to medical, You know, if you want to get this T-shirt that fits this certain way, that's this fabric, you have to come to us. So the T-shirt, um, those T-shirts being the way they are, I basically just wanted to create a simple product. I don't know if you've noticed that blanks has been like, it's like a trend at the moment. Everyone's doing blanks. Like a
0: staple piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah, but like... I think Represent were probably the first to really push it. Yeah. In terms of, you know, white t-shirt, white embroidered Represent, you know, on the chest, so it's branded but it's not really branded. Um and then a lot of other brands have been copying that. And at first I was like, you know, I was pulling Kind of basic. Yeah, I was pulling away from it because, you know, it's it's simple, but if that's what people want, you know, we we're talking about. Yeah, that's
0: what I mean. My daily is just like a white t-shirt, and it's either white or black for me. Like I'm trying to get into more color this year, but it's just easy to throw on a white or a black t-shirt because like exactly, it I, I don't want to have to think too much, and I'm I want to you know look stylish. So black and white kind of works with everything.
1: Yeah, and you don't you know I love graphic t-shirts, but you don't always want to wear a graphic t-shirt. Um, so I pretty much made those products as most simplified branded product that i could make you know it's still got the logo on there if you want to like represent and like show off show off the brand but essentially it's just yeah the signature fit and feel of like a medical t-shirt
0: i just feel like just looking at yeah what i'm thinking because um i love a good blazer it's almost like if you're going and hanging out just going around the shop so like it's more like streetwear. so you you're not going to wear that blazer and you're going to show like more of a graphic and then like if you go out and you dress up a bit maybe you have a blazer and you don't want it to show too much graphic, so you got it on the collars so that's yeah cool. is yeah. that is that exactly what it is no i mean that wasn't <laughs>
1: intentional but that's it a perfect sense, way yeah. to um to put it for sure
0: cool um and should i just go to the shop all
1: yeah for sure it's funny because uh, your best designs often are the ones that you put the least amount of effort into. Yeah. I don't know if you can relate in terms of photography, you know, and you just take a photo and it ends up being really good.
0: Sometimes, it, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, I would I take and I'm just like, well, I go get home from doing a shoot and I was like, oh, I got nothing. And then it ends up being like some of my best stuff later yeah. on. and just like, um, which is kind of the latest graphic stuff? Maybe these... Cybernetics?
1: Yeah, cool. So those vests, um, I did mostly myself. I worked a little bit on them with Alex uh, Aitken. Oh, He's yeah. He's a graphic designer. Yep. He, um, he just kind of like, he was there when I was making it and he was giving me some pointers. Uh, but, yeah.
0: What kind of went into that? Do you, do you know much about, like, what went into that whole, the graphic or...
1: Like the design for it? Yeah. yeah. So I so I still had the concept for um for the design. He just helped a bit with the composition. Um going back to technology and stuff like that, you know, as we were talking about earlier, one of the reasons that I started medical, you know, was I had this love for technology growing up and I thought that was gonna be, you know, a software engineer or whatever. And so medical is kind of a way of like paying homage to the positive impact of technology on my life. You know, my, me and my brother, we played games, you know, growing up, you know, every day, and that's how we bonded, you know, and I'd watch movies with my family. It's it's stuff that we all did, but I really wanted to, yeah, take the, that feeling and put it into the clothing, you know. Um, the blue colour is obviously, you know, like a blue screen on a computer Um, and I've really like adopted that to the brand and it's, it's pretty like synonymous with the brand. Now I think like if you see the blue color, you know that it's, it's medical, which is like, which is cool. Um, This design in particular. um, Yeah. Just going back to the whole technology thing. I just wanted to show this idea of like robots in love. I think I'd recently watched ex machina. I don't know if you've seen that movie.
0: I haven't seen it. Um but isn't there a Japanese designer that's um also deals with that concept? Uh, I need to find his name.
1: Hajime Sorayama? Yeah, yeah, Sorayama. Yeah. Um so okay, this is actually a funny story. I probably even shouldn't even say this. So this image that I was using on this vest was actually an image that I got from another failed design from uh, a Fiverr designer. Mm -hmm. And I basically reworked it and took this like robot face and put it on there. Obviously did some adjustments to it. Yeah. It it wasn't until after I'd created it and I'd released it that I was like, I want to find out where this photo is actually from just to know, you know, who made it. And then I found out there's actually a Hajime Soriyama robot. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> you can't tell because of the way it's been manipulated. Yeah. Um, and I'm not, you know, I've sold them out now, so I won't be rerunning that graphic or anything like that. So don't sue me. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Hajime Soriyama, amazing, um, amazing artist. He does the sexy robots.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, <laughs> you never know what you're going to find on Fiverr, like, I don't
1: know. <laughs> it's, you know what? Fiverr's like you tell yourself it's gonna be fine every single time and then it's it's just the worst. I don't know if I'm the only one that has terrible experiences on Fiverr, but Yeah, I guess
0: yeah. you never know where like sometimes I bet it's even like you're not even dealing with the design, it's just like someone's paying someone to like <laughs> design, so you like you never know. But I mean it's a it's one way of doing things for sure.
1: If you if you really don't know any designers, you know, in your area around you, go to Fiverr. But I would recommend, if you can, find designers, find people that are local to you that you can meet up with in person and work with because the product's going to be better. You're going to pay a little bit more, but you'll be able to have that communication so much crisper. This, yeah. is, just, this is just a tip for anyone that's, like, getting into clothing and stuff like that.
0: Communication is
1: um, key. Yeah, communication is so important.
0: Um, but no, I really like this design. I think the blue and the pink just work really well. And I haven't – it just really stands out. And I've seen the way um, you've styled it with, like, the white shirt and that sort of thing. And I'm like, yeah, it looks really good. Um, yeah, I think
1: um, knitwear has become very staple to the brand. It was actually an accident. I never intended to uh, make knitwear. Um
0: well, I guess it kind of ties into the concept of, I mean, you can wear knitwear out and then also knitwear can be quite fancy if you're going to an event. So it yeah. kind of ties into that concept.
1: Yeah. I like the, um. I've liked building, you know, kind of two sides to the brand, having the streetwear aesthetic, but also being able to dress it up, you know, if you're going to a dinner yeah. or, you know, being able to wear it with trousers and go somewhere fancy, like you said. Um, And even, you know, I think one of the things that I started when I, or I said when I started the brand is that I want to create a uniform for myself. And the uniform was actually a big part of the initial branding. Um, And essentially I wanted to create my own uniform for my own office or my own job, you know, that I'm going to every day. So that was an idea. Excuse me. Uh, when I started and so yeah obviously uniforms are quite formal per se
0: I think just going off from like what I sort of wear like as a photographer like you know in just as being a photographer in Perth like I want to wear something casual because like I don't know Perth I guess being a photographer in Perth is a bit more casual than if you're like you know being a photographer in Paris or Japan or whatever we're kind of a bit more casual here so I want to still look professional but also be casual so I think that's why I sort of go with the you know white tees and black pants or whatever but it's still casual so I think just having that approach of yeah being you could wear like in the street but also dress it up a bit I think that's like that's really cool it's like almost yeah very contemporary sort of more high-end streetwear but you can like style it sort of however you want yeah i think that's pretty cool
1: for sure i mean i still you know i still consider my th- stuff streetwear because that's kind of you know the roots of the fashion that i you know that i liked but it's also kind of not strictly streetwear because when i think of streetwear i think of like track suits you know and that's the i think the bare bones of traditional streetwear is you know, the joggers and the the hoodies. And that's not really what I'm focused on. So it's kind of like, it is a streetwear brand. It's also not quite a streetwear brand, but somewhere in between.
0: For Sure. Have you got the um, photo shoots on here as well? Maybe from like, is there any photo shoots in particular you want to,
1: that we should look at? Let me check what's updated. Just uh switch to <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, if you campaign? go to uh, I think this one, I think Interstellar. That's the latest? Oh, the latest one that I've got updated. That's my bad. Um so this one was shot last year. I actually shot this campaign myself wow. on uh yeah, so you can add a photographer to my yep. uh to my resume. Um, I shot this on an Olympus MJU2. Oh,
0: yeah. I've got that camera.
1: Yeah. um,
0: I'd say it's one of the best, if not, I think, maybe the best little point and shoots you can get.
1: I think 100%. I think it's... The best? Like, (laughs) it's the best in terms of you can have no experience and it's so hard to mess up the photos.
0: Yeah, and it's, it's a very... Nice, clear, you get nice, clear shots. I'd yeah. say it's competitors to the context T2, but that's like double the price. Exactly.
1: Too. For the, you know, for the price, it's amazing. Um, this one, I think this was, this was just shot on like, I'm going to say like. 400. Like Fuji F- Superior 400 or something like that. Um,
0: so you just kind of like found a white wall.
1: This is actually in our photo studio. Um, Oh, yeah. Tying into like the technology technology kind of um, stuff. I like bought this old TV. I've had it for a while actually. I've been using it in a lot of shoots. Um, And we had a camcorder. So I bought a cable that actually streams the camcorder into the TV. So if you scroll down, I mean, you'll actually see it here. It's like he's in the TV. Streams straight from there. Um, That's cool. And yeah, it's kind of like...
0: It relates to technology. Cool it's like a cool fact. and yeah,
1: yeah. This piece was called Interstellar, um, and the kind of message behind this one was me really pushing blue as the color for the brand. Before this, before last year, I hadn't really pushed blue as like a core um, theme or like a core. Uh, so like, yeah, part of the brand, I guess. Yeah. So interstellar, you know. Being like the voyage to discover, you know, the unknown mm-hmm. to make a change, or whatever. That was like, okay, we're putting it out there. Blue is the, the color part of the brand. It's um, a
0: very unique blue. It's a very powerful blue. It's a very kind of like a like a deep. It's not like it's not like a dark blue, but it's still it's a very. I find it a very potent blue. Yeah. So and it, and it reminds me of say the nineties Windows. Something about the nineties Windows backgrounds. I think that one of the default backgrounds was like that blue.
1: Yeah. So the blue that the blue for the brand is actually if you had like RGB values, it's no red, no green, two fifty-five blue. So it's, so like so it's the a default. H- it's a hundred percent blue. Which I'm a little bit like on the fence about it because it is like the default blue, but that is also the strongest, you know, most bold in your face. That movie. it can be, so I think it, yeah, like and you it said, relates it's powerful. To technology, absolutely. Well. Yeah,
0: like what else? What other, like, uh, what technology were you into? But you said you mentioned games, um, and movies. But like, were you into kind of coding or uh, like jailbreaking your iPhone or like <laughs> stuff like that as a kid? Um, I used to do a bit of jailbreaking with. When I was like in high school. Uh no. <laughs> well,
1: I wouldn't say how jail broke my iPhone. Um I don't know. I just have like a lot of tech nostalgia, you know, like listening, um, watching home videos on VCR. I don't know if, if you can relate to that, but like
0: So even in today's age you're still doing No, that not
1: or? not anymore. Oh you but mean the nostalgia of nostalgia technology. of like, you know, growing up okay, in this yeah. I don't know it's. It's definitely like in our day and age now, you can record a video, take a photo anywhere, and in a sense that decreases the significance of that photo. You know, whereas back when it was harder to take photos mm-hmm. and stuff, you know, videos were so, um. So valuable because you didn't have many of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, you mean
0: like a, f- when you have a film camera, and you have certain yeah. number of photos. see so that photos are more valuable because it's there's less of them
1: for sure um and i'm not saying like that i don't like where technology's gone i love where technology's gone but i just you know that period of me growing up you know and cds vcrs usb mp3 players lime wire um you know ipod touches all that kind of stuff i you know i loved that oh what have we got here oh, i was just playing the to play one. the
0: I don't know if you can hear that. I don't, oh, yeah. I don't think I connected the sound properly, but yeah, it just it reminded me of the PlayStation One sound, or Absolutely. like this those PS One sounds, like very nostalgic. I should probably make one one of the podcast sounds, but yeah, there's like a certain vibe to that, and I think yeah, it's interesting how in fashion, I think a lot of that happens with a lot of brands, like maybe growing up, you you into Pokemon or Yu Gi Oh or Uh, dragon ball z and then like when you grow up like a lot of the designers kind of use that as inspiration because like everybody's looking back on their nostalgic kind of moments as inspiration so it's kind of like a similar approach to what you did
1: yeah for sure i mean i want to show with my brand like you know take nostalgia in terms of like you know the things that i used to love but i also want to show the things that i like going forward you know I think the cybernetics department, which was my excuse for making graphic T-shirts, you know, I kind of, I invented like a section of the brand dedicated to graphic T-shirts. Um, and that's all about experimenting with like robotics and stuff like that. So there's like the skeleton, there's like the spider. Um, there's one that just says cybernetics department on it. Um, so yeah, it's like future and past it's all all tech focused, yeah.
0: Okay. And then you mentioned you went to Paris um, a few years ago for Fashion Week. Yeah. Tell us about that trip.
1: Okay. So that was 2020 right before uh, the pandemic. Technically, the pandemic had like started, but it, this was when we were like going over there, people were like, oh. coronavirus like what the hell is that you know no one no one really knew what was going on so we were fine when we were there um and yeah that was that was about six months after i'd started my brand so it was it was brand new i wasn't i was wearing a few medical things but i wasn't showing it off to anyone you know what i mean it's
0: the first pieces yeah
1: yeah i think ed was you know we'd meet a few people and ed would be like oh this is ty he's got his own brand and i'd just kind of look at him Mm -hmm. and i'd be like don't i don't want to show them an instagram profile with like 500 (laughs) followers you know what i mean like um you know everyone starts projects and they don't usually see them through you know so it's
0: i didn't want to show them something that
1: i you know and they're just like oh he's not going to do this um but yeah we went to paris in 2020 january i went with ed uh and sil ed was buying he goes every year twice a year yeah edward maradona from cabinet noir uh so he runs his own store and because of that he goes and buys clothes over there so basically he's sourcing clothes
0: and he's like checking out the brands being like oh do i want this in my yeah sort of thing so the
1: way that um big brands on that scale work is basically they'll plan their collections six months or more in advance so for autumn winter it'll be six months before and they'll show at um, one of the fashion weeks, and they'll show their upcoming collection in a showroom. And so buyers for potential stores, such as Cabinet Noir, um, you know, boutique stores anywhere around the world, will go to these stores, view the pieces, and then choose which ones they want to stock for the upcoming season.
0: So like before it's... Um, officially
1: released, they'll like yeah. see it, and so you'll you'll see the garments before they're released. So okay. that was really cool. That's
0: kind of is that the whole idea of a fashion show in in a way like you're seeing the garments before they release, and the buyers are all sitting around looking at it mm. most of the time. Or
1: I'd say the showroom's a little bit different to the runway show. Also, it wasn't
0: so much a show; it was just like a private.
1: Yeah. Okay. So there's two there's two main parts. There's the actual runways, which is um the shows where they show off a certain number of looks and they create, you know, like a, uh, a theme and it's it's a show you know, that people go to. And then there's the show Rooms, which will be a building with all the racks of the upcoming collection set up. And the buyers will have appointments and go talk to the sales team, yeah, yep. uh, and then figure out what they want to order. And in those showrooms, um, they want you to buy. So they look after you really well. We went, we were there with Ed, uh, me and Sil, Sylvester Nang of Banks. Um, and, you know, you go into the showroom. We went to a few different ones. We did Mason Kitsune, um, Rado, Stamped. Uh, There's a few more. But, you know, they give you sparkling water they give you little gifts um they they're so friendly you know they're talkative oh, we did Axel Aragado as rubs? well no oh, <laughs> no back rubs but i'm sure they would have given you one if you <laughs> asked um but yeah they really want you to buy um so that was a really cool experience being involved in that we also went and saw some shows we went to the kids super show shout out to Britt mcgovern um, she's working with Kid Super, and so she got us into this show, which is normally invite only. And you've probably seen Kid Super is like going crazy yeah. now. Comme des Garçons recently designed a Louis Vuitton collection, which w- went off.
0: So Kid Super, um, he was like sort of gained a lot of attention recently.
1: Yeah, back then he was he wasn't gaining a lot of attention. It was his show was very low key.
0: What was did he become? Like a uh, director somewhere? Like what was why was he in the news recently? Do you know?
1: So he's done a few things. He um he won the um, an LVMH prize, which is essentially LVMH being the conglomerate that owns Louis Vuitton, uh, Hennessy, um, and Moet Chandon. I think, um, anyway, they have a prize where they give away money to worthy designers to help them, you know, start boost their brand. So he actually won a prize through that so much, uh, a few th- thousands and, and thousands of dollars or whatever. So that was probably the first thing that put him on. Um, then he did a runway show in Paris where the, the runway was actually an auction and the paintings actually turned into the dresses. I don't know if you saw that one.
0: Yeah, I might have seen that. That was pretty
1: cool. The She literally stepped through the painting and then walked down the runway. Oh, it was I, crazy. I did that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, most recently after Virgil passed, Colm Delane, um, he guest directed the runway. So he kind of used his influence and then also incorporated Virgil's like design aesthetic mm-hmm. and then did the runway.
0: Um, okay, that's really cool.
1: Yeah, cool guy.
0: Um, I want to talk about maybe some failures that you might might have had, like having your own brand. Um, like I know you're you you work with people overseas who are like taking care of your stuff, and you're like doing bigger orders and stuff like that. Um, yeah, so like, is there any failures? I'm pretending not to know what it was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. So,
1: yeah. Um, Here's a story. Here's a story for everyone. This is how I lost twenty six thousand dollars, which is a lot of money. Um, Bruh. <laughs> um basically when I started my brand, it was it probably would have been this would have been twenty twenty, so six months, this is after I got back from Paris. Um six months or so into the brand and still not quite sure what I wanted to do. Um, and I wasn't really in the cycle of, you know, when you when you're making clothing, you make it, and then as soon as you make that, you got to make more. It's a never-ending cycle of you know continuously making garments. And I didn't really tap into the cycle, so I basically found this brand online who were it was a they were from London, and they promised me production design. I'd have a Production manager, like watching over my stuff. Um, things were going to cost more, but they were going to look after everything. They were going to make sure that the products were schmick. And me being um, young, naive, not lazy, but you know, wanting wanting to get things done. You know, um,
0: well, they sounded trustworthy.
1: E- exactly, and you know, you know, that's the thing is that. I'm um, I'm not one to... It's basically scammed then. You, you it was. basically got scammed. Then. Essentially, I got scammed. What's basically.
0: We're going to name drop these boys. Or? Okay.
1: <laughs> if, um, can I na- should I name drop them? I
0: think I think it's... Yeah, because okay. like, they, they will protect call- other people.
1: Okay. They were called Baxter House. And they're from the UK. They claim to be based in London, produced in London. So, anyway, I started working with them in March of 2020. And they said to me, okay, our minimums is 100 per unit but the quality is going to be amazing everything's going to be amazing um you know it's going to be worth it so i said hell yeah let's do it basically we started working together and then covid happened so they go okay we can't um can't get stuff sent to you but as soon as we open back in a few months we'll get it going and i already paid the deposit at this point so i'm like this sucks but all right we get to around june july and um they're like okay our factory's open i'm like okay cool can we get some samples done oh yeah we're working on it working on it nothing i don't receive samples until august so two months after that and the samples are nothing like what i asked for i get the t-shirt and i'm like what's going on and they're like oh your cut and sew dimensions were similar to a blank so we just we just gave you the blank And i'm like it's well, not what i asked for they send me a hoodie yeah, it's air but i'm like sure and then some trousers. So we can actually get off on the screen um, the pieces. It's funny because people will recognize these pieces as like something that I sold without knowing like, you know, the full story. Anyway, basically I started this working with these people in March. I didn't, it wasn't until November that I got um, the full collection the t-shirts i got had two different t-shirts they weren't exactly what i wanted but they were good enough to sell the pants weren't exactly what i wanted but they were good enough to sell the hoodies they'd actually changed the fabric in in bulk production compared to the sample and it was this weird neoprene wetsuit material and i just the fit was weird they changed the fit they just they changed everything and i couldn't sell this product so i basically had to, a hundred of these hoodies I just had to scrap. I couldn't do anything with them. And that was hard. Um, In terms of the other stuff, I just had to, I'd already spent, like I said, $26,000 on this collection, no refunds available, no negotiating, you know, when you're working on that international level, you know, I was just a kid, you know, 20, 22 or something. I'm not going to get lawyers involved. You know what I mean? That's a lot of money. Um. And yeah, it was an expensive lesson. I had a hundred of each piece and they sold, but you know, when I'm, when I'm saying they sold, I probably sold like 20 to 30 of each piece and I basically just had to take it on the chin and yeah, I took that whole collection as a loss. I had all these hoodies that I couldn't sell, had all these t-shirts that weren't moving. You know what I mean? When you're a small brand, a hundred units is a lot, um, Yeah, Yeah.
0: that's crazy. It sounds to me what they might have done, just presuming, is like got all that money, ordered like your items with like some cheaper quality stuff, and then it looks like, yeah, they gave you what you wanted, but really they they pocketed.
1: 100%. And you know what? I found out as well when they were shipping me the goods, they shipped them from Romania. So they weren't even shipped from London. And that's when I realized in my head, I'm like, they literally outsourced the production to Romania, which is a poorer European country. Mm. You know, they they made thousands. They probably made 20 grand off of me.
0: Yeah, and who knows who else? They did and that it's too.
1: crazy because now where I'm at, now, you know, and I'm doing like larger clothing orders, I'm spending a fraction of the price of that. And I just realised, you know, you you can be taken advantage of very easily if you don't know how much things should cost or what the procedures are or who to trust. Um, but yeah, that's an expensive lesson to learn for sure.
0: For sure. Yeah. I think I guess takeaway is um, yeah, really maybe understand like, especially if you're putting that much money and I guess maybe talk to people who've worked with them before. Um, it's, it's very difficult with online like working with online people because it's not like person to person. You don't know who they are here in Perth. I guess you're like, you know, the sort of network. So it's like you can trust people more, but online, it's I guess it's different. But um, yeah, I think just as creators, we all make mistakes. Unfortunately, that was like a huge investment. <laughs> so that was like a big mistake. But moving forward, I'm sure you're like, you're much more streamlined with yeah. how you go
1: about things. I think um, it's going on what you're saying about, you know, asking other people. It's really weird because in clothing, everyone is such a gatekeeper. No one wants to give out the secret sauce. No one wants to tell other people how to do do things. And that was me. I had friends that had clothing brands and I'd reach out to them. Hey, how do I do this? How many pieces should I order? And people would just say, sorry, man, like you you just got to figure it out for yourself. And I'm like, what? And that's just, that was normal. And so that actually led me... um, To, you know, creating. I don't know if you've seen my TikTok, but you know, my on my TikTok, I post a lot of fashion design and clothing brand related tips um, and content because you know I want to enable other people to to have brands and do stuff like that. You know, I was gatekept; people didn't give me this information. I had to learn it the hard way, and I don't want other people to experience that.
0: that. Yeah, because um, I mean, maybe if if you didn't experience that like reaching out to other people in the industry who like weren't sort of that open to helping you you would have maybe felt more comfortable like hey like do you know this like should i do this like reaching out for more advice but you felt like you couldn't so then you just went like hey i'm going to jump into this drop 26k and then you made that mistake so now i guess you're you're selling these tech packs like and uh i guess you're, you're showing you know a lot of your process for people to like help people I guess yeah. that's really good.
1: For sure. Yeah, the tech pack is just, um, it's just, it's my first digital product that it's I've like ever five made. five bucks, eh? Yeah, five dollars, um, and it's the exact tech pack that I send to manufacturers. It's made in a spreadsheet in Excel, um, and yeah, that's just, that's one way for me to like give back to people, um, you know, being able to have access to that if you ever message me on TikTok or Instagram relating fashion design content, I always get back to everyone as well. Um, because, yeah, I, d- I want to enable other people to be able to do stuff.
0: Because, yeah, at the end of the day, no one can, like, fully replicate what you're doing. Nobody understands your brand the way you do. Nobody, like, grew up with technology being the inspiration or, like, grew up with your influences, which ties into the brand. Um, So, like, no one could fully... Yeah, copy that. Yeah. Um, at the end of the day, just like with photography, just because I give out the camera that I use, the settings that I use, the um, like the Lightroom filter that I use, doesn't mean they can go and literally, it's be impossible to take exact photos that I do. Yeah, exactly. Just it's about the creative yourself.
1: Yeah, you know, I always say that. You know, it's it's I could teach you everything, but you still can't be me. You will still never be able to replicate what I do or if you do copy me it will never be as good as me you know because you're copying you're one step behind what I'm doing but in that same sense you know I don't even get mad when people copy what I'm doing because it means one that you're doing something right but two you're inspiring other people you know I think it's a it's a bit selfish to always maybe if it's you know if it's a big design and there's a lot of money on the line, you know, something like that. I
0: guess, yeah, if it's, because uh, I know there is some stuff in the fashion world where, like, you know, if someone, like, literally copies one design and slaps on a T-shirt and then sells it for a amount. I can see that's not as ethical, but if it's to do with, like, knowing, that's, like, I think that's not as ethical because actual, that's someone's creativity and... Uh, someone went through the creative process to create that design or that that logo, whatever. Um, but when it comes to just like simple advice, like f- with photography, like oh, what settings did you use, or what camera do you use, or what lens? And it's not actually. I think that sort of simple stuff. That's that's fine. Yeah, that's about it's about learning. It's like,
1: yeah, yeah, a little bit, uh, yeah, a bit different to like stolen work. Um, but yeah, hundred percent. We should be helping each other, you know, especially in Perth. Yeah. There's, it feels like there's a lot of creators. There's not that many. So, you know, we need to help each other out. Yeah, and we got to stick together, help each exactly. other.
0: Um, and then what's on the horizon for you in both your fashion world and your world of being a DJ as well? Um,
1: what, what are your so goals? And, yeah. So for medical this year, um, we're pushing knitwear really hard. I think knitwear has been something that, uh, like I said, I kind of accidentally fell into. I was inspired by some Raph Simmons pieces. Yeah. Um, Made my first knitwear.
0: Actually, yeah, I haven't seen many brands doing knitwear and your stuff has been doing it like really well. Like just putting on like a piece of knitwear and like some nice black pants and nice leather shoes. It's just like, yeah, again, you can kind of wear that casually, but also um yeah you can wear that to nice events so it ties in really well and i've been loving the knitwear that you've been making yeah quite a bit it's kind of that's how yeah something i've seen medical do but not other sort of from other brands yeah
1: thanks um yeah knitwear design is really cool as well because it turns out really unique you know because it's made of uh, individual knits or stitches you know as opposed to like a screen printed graphic where it's perfect um and I like that kind of characteristic of it. Um but yeah, definitely doing a lot of knitwear this year.
0: Winter's coming. Um exactly. A couple months Winter's so coming.
1: Then. Um doing more accessories and kind of like home stuff as well. I just released some rugs. I don't know if you saw the C D uh, rug. Yep, yep. Um I wanna do more stuff along the lines of that, you know, do an S D card, do do a hard drive, that yeah, kind of like, stuff.
0: Yeah, like actually that'd be cool. You should uh just tie in little accessories with the technology yeah. like I don't know what else you could do, like with would you do like bracelets
1: and would you yeah. get into jewellery? Hundred percent I want to get into jewellery. Um the little S D card ring or something, I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Look, there's there's so many different things that you can do that like it can be overwhelming, you know? And sometimes you just gotta like strip it back and just focus on one thing at a time. A lot of ideas, yeah. Um but, yeah, I've got a lot of ideas. One goal that I've always said to myself is I'm not stopping until I make shoes. That's always been on my on my wish list. I want to make a medical shoe, a sneaker or a, a boots, um, that kind of stuff.
0: Here's so. an idea because um, I actually wanted to do this, but I don't know if I'll get around to doing it this year or if I'll even get around to do it, but... I don't know if you've seen 3D printed shoes.
1: Yes, I've been seeing <laughs> them everywhere. So sick.
0: And I was like, damn, like that'd be so cool to just have a printer. You can just like print shoes. Then the ones that I've seen they're I think it's difficult to get the right percentage of plastic or whatever it is to like create a shoe. But I've seen some ones that look pretty cool. And even if you just have like a shoe made that kind of works and lasts, like it, there's those, uh, those Yeezy foam slides or yep. something like that. That would be cool. Also relates to the technology cuz it's like 3D yeah. printed. But no, that's <laughs> try that. <laughs>
1: no, I I've, I've definitely thought of um thought of doing that kind of stuff. I think 3D printing is a really um cool market. I think uh Heron Preston had a shoe. I don't know if you've seen that one. It's like an orange slide he was working on that was like fully 3D printed. Heli DeMille had these like big chunky they almost look like horse hoof like oh really um they were 3d printed so yeah it's it's a cool market
0: 3d printing could change the game like one you can 3d print yeah accessories like bracelets you can even like make like the link that like links together all that with 3d printing rings 3d printed uh shoes apparently like that's pretty cool and then maybe in the future if everyone has their own 3d printer and you kind of um pattern a certain design or style like you don't even have to go out or order something online you can just like print it at home and then wear it
1: yeah i've definitely heard of people talk about that before that's a cool idea
0: you know sure um so yeah more knitwear and like accessories
1: yeah more Um, knitwear more accessories and also this year i'm focusing on community building as well i think um that's an underrated feature for any kind of brand is your community and cultivating them and making them feel included um, and special, you know? Yeah, like people sure. Who's, you know, who's the best brands that did it? You know, like Supreme, probably like the OG community brand, you know? Um,
0: How did they do that? How did they like create a community?
1: They're, well, they're a skate brand. So, you know, they cultivated that skate community to the next level you know that it literally reached it literally expanded past skaters mm. you know to make everyone who wasn't a skater want to be a skater yeah for sure. just to be a part of the brand um and yeah i think community is such an important thing that we can often neglect you know you can forget that your customers are real people like i said they spend their hard-earned dollars on you um and you should you should put in that extra effort you know to make them feel valued because if you can... And a part of it, a part exactly. of something, yeah. I don't, you've probably heard of, you know, a thousand true fans, you know. That's 100% true, you know. If you can have people that fuck with you on that level and they want to, like, ride with you forever, that's how you're going to grow your brand to the next level.
0: So how how are you going to grow your community, like the medical community? Do you have any ideas or plans for that?
1: At the moment, I'm working on events. Um, I think events are a great way of bringing people together, um... In the physical sense, you know, so everything's not just strictly online. Because we do live kind of like strictly online. Um, I did a boiler room for my uh, birthday last month. Um, yeah. And that went oh, amazingly. Yeah. Tell us
0: about that because um, Jules came on for a set or something as well. yes yeah, so is, is
1: that his first set? That was his first ever DJ set. So um, it was my 25th, so... Halfway through my twenties, which feels it hit me pretty hard to be honest. I was like, damn, twenty five. Yeah. Uh, but I wanted to do something something cool. And so I reached out to Jules. I was like, let's do a boiler room event, you know, get all get all of our friends in a warehouse and Yeah. And then Jules was like, Cool. Um, if you teach me how to DJ, can I can I play?
0: 'Cause yeah, you guys you're you're twins, right? So you have the same birthday?
1: Yeah. 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 So, um and he'd never never dj before so i gave him lessons and he ended up playing at the boiler room and then he actually came on and played back to back with me during my set like during the prime time when everyone was there Uh wow and it was nuts um but yeah running this event and obviously my past event experience really made me think like man i needed i need to get back into this and i think maybe whether it's like a boiler room style event you know or like a rave style event incorporating that into the brand um not sure yet, but we'll see. I think there's some cool stuff uh, in the future.
0: I was going to say you should check out um, this guy, Roy Rivers. I've, I met him at a creative event, but he actually, I think he repairs old PCs and then he creates like art um, out of like vintage PCs. It's pretty cool. like Unique designs. I don't know. He, he's, he does like pop-ups at events, yeah.
1: His style is really cool.
0: Like he brought at the event I went to, he brought like his old PC and he just had other people creating art on it.
1: This is really unique. I fuck with this. Yeah.
0: So even if you had like a little, you had a little um event like a pop up for medical. Just going off that tech, that technology theme, you could do a lot of cool stuff. Like I don't know, have game people playing like retro games, like people making like retro art, like. I can see how, yeah, an event like that where it's not, yeah, it's like it's medical, it's the clothing, but then it's also like these things that relate to the brand as well and it like brings people together. But that, that kind of
1: would be pretty cool. Yeah, no, 100%. It's, um, yeah, it's all about creating a unique experience. That's something that I really believe in strongly. So, yeah, that idea of like, you know, painting a computer or some, something like that, that's yeah. that's, that's cool.
0: See. Ty, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Um, It was amazing talking to you, hearing about your story and um, your brand and, like, everything you've been doing. So, yeah,
1: thanks so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a good experience.
0: Um, Where can people find you and your brand on, like, online?
1: Uh, My Instagram is Ty underscore Turner, T-Y-E, and my brand is Medical Studios, spelled M-E-D-I-C-L-E. Um, And I just launched my personal website, tyturner.com. So check that out as well.
0: Sweet. I'll leave all of that in the show notes. Thanks again, guys.